Our guides into the antiquities of the eastern Mediterranean today on Travel with Rick Steves are Anastasia Gaitanu from Greece and Colin Clement. He's been working on archaeological projects in Alexandria, Egypt now for years. They're here to help us take a fresh look at what the ruins and antiquities of the eastern Mediterranean can tell us about the one-time center of the world. Anastasia and Colin, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. When you think about the ancient world, I'm always fascinated by how about 300 B.C., Alexander the Great conquered Greece and then spread it everywhere and created what we know as the Hellenistic world. Colin, give us a little better sense of what an impact that had for us as sightseers and travelers and explorers today. Well, at the time, he spread a common language around, so it made communication between these different, already thriving cities and cultures. It made communication much, much easier, so they began to share much more of the same lifestyle, the same idea of thought, the same writing. And as a result, you will begin to see similar architectural styles being spread around that eastern Mediterranean as well. So from about 300 BC for a little while after that, you could fairly say that Greek culture was the dominant culture spreading from... I think Greek culture was the dominant culture well into the the common era, into the AD period, because any educated Roman would know Greek. And there'd be a Greek temple on the main square everywhere from uh, Rome to present-day India. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea of the 12 Olympian gods, the Greek gods, spread with Alexander the Great, and they were adopted or adapted by local populations. And even the Roman gods were just uh, translations of the Greek gods, basically. Yeah, so the same bunch, different names. Anastasia, if you were a tourist back in the Hellenistic times, a couple hundred years before Christ, what would the big sights to see be in the Mediterranean world? Well, I would definitely start in Greece, because that was the cradle of this civilization. I would definitely go to the first and second capital of the Macedonian kingdom because that would be the place where you could see how the whole thing started, how people lived. And you can see still the remains of the palaces, you can see still the remains of the cities, and you can see still a lot of artifacts that they used in so their everyday life. So that would be life. the Macedonian kingdom. Where would that be? The Macedonian kingdom was before, of course, it expanded with Alexander the Great. That would be in today's northern part of Greece mm-hmm. and a bit after our northern border into the territory of our neighbor countries. Actually today. up into Bulgaria and um, Bulgaria and Serbia. And, uh, Serbia. Yes, okay. a bit, and a very little of Albania. Now, a lot of people think of the west coast of Turkey as Turkey, but tell me about Iona. Oh, well, the Ionian coast, so that's where the Greeks moving from what we now know as the mainland of Greece moved and settled there in as early as, what, the 700s before Christ. So uh, from a sightseeing point of view, the west coast of Turkey is, is really ancient Greece. Oh, you see probably better preserved Grecian or Hellenistic-style ruins in uh, western Turkey than you will in the mainland of Greece. I don't know if you disagree with yeah, this. That's true. Let's say you had a private jet in uh, time of Christ and you could go around the Hellenistic world in a hurry and see the top sites. What would be the wonders oh, uh, of the ancient world for you? The ones that have come down to us. I mean, Ephesus. Ephesus um, on the west coast of Turkey. On the west coast of Halicarnassus, the tomb of Mausoleus. What's considered oh, one of the it's not much left, but still. Well, no, no, I'm talking about in those yeah, days. Yeah. Oh, in you're those traveling. days, that's right. That's a, a good well, distinction. Right. If you're traveling in those days, yes, nothing is left anymore. I mean, the Colossus of Rhodes, you know, on the island of Rhodes, the Lighthouse of Alexandria, which continued to stand up until the 14th century, that was definitely visited. Now, Alexandria was the one of the great cities of oh, the Western world. In I think day. in the Hellenistic era, it was the greatest city. And that's where you live today. Yeah. You research with the French Archaeological Mission. That's correct, yeah. What work do you do, actually, in Alexandria? Uh, at the moment, we're doing a number of things actually outside the city. The trouble with Alexander is the modern city is built right on top of the ancient city. So something has to be pulled down before we can actually explore within the town. But it was such a vast metropolis and there was huge amounts of settlements on the, the lakes and the inland 
So you're having to excavate on the periphery of ancient Alexandria because the modern city of Alexandria sits on the core of ancient Alexandria? Yeah, effectively, that's the case, yeah. And I know in Athens, it's an interesting problem also. It's very difficult to build a new part of the subway because every time you dig down, you find archaeological well, treasures. No matter where you are in Greece, if you dig a hole, you'll find antiquities. So, so it's you, always the same problem. It's probably a nightmare for a contractor to be trying to build something, then, oh, no, we've discovered something, and now we have to go to the government and tell them we've got an antiquity. Could stop the whole process. Definitely, and the budget definitely will go up. The budget will go up, that's right. Talk about, for a minute, the commerce on the Mediterranean in this day and age. I mean, we see all these obelisks in Rome. They didn't just happen. They were shipped there from Egypt. Oh, yeah, the obelisks, which, which of course, predate the whole Hellenistic. I mean, they're pharaonic uh, items. There are more, I believe there are more standing obelisks in Rome than there are in Egypt itself. They were all transported. The Romans were such collectors of antiquities. Uh, and this is something important for us to remember, is that you could be living in Rome in the time of Christ, and, and you've got some very interesting antiquities yourself, because you go back 2,000 years before that, or, or you see the ruins of ancient Greece. And Clearly. In a lot of ways, Socrates and Plato were just as mysterious and ancient to the Romans as the Romans are to us. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the Romans were, were massive collectors and, and great fans of, first of all, Greek culture, and then as the Romans were in awe of the Greeks, the Greeks were in awe of the Egyptians, and so it goes back and back and back. Hadrian, for example, he now Hadrian's villas are all over the place. Hadrian was a great traveler and a great builder. Absolutely. He loved Athens, and he's left his mark in the So the much of what we see today in Athens is actually Roman. Certain elements in the Temple right. of Olympian Zeus. I mean, Anastasia would know this better than me. Well, um, the Romans definitely did leave their mark in Greece, but I think you see more Roman antiquities as you go further more to the east. To the east. So to the more, east. More of Roman. course, Italy, definitely. Yeah. But I think you see more in Turkey than you see in Greece. Roman. Right. That is. On the other hand, as far as Hellenistic is concerned, I just wanted to add something about Alexander the Great. He did not stay long in Greece. He stayed only two years, and then he left to fight against the Persians. So most of what he did was in the east. Farther east from Athens. Farther east oh, okay. from Athens, farther east because from Greece. he was Greece. a warrior. He had, in fact, he conquered Greece, and then he really knew how to, to live by the sword. And he spread Greek culture, which it seems to me he felt was more the winning culture than his own Macedonian culture. He spread it all through his vast empire that he created. Definitely. He was a genius. And many times when we talk about Macedonian culture and Greek culture, we don't realize that it's more or less the same. The main difference is that whenever we talk about Greeks, we mean uh, democracy, while right. the Macedonians always had a kingdom. But actually the culture itself, the way of thinking, is exactly the same. It's very hard for non-scholars to get their brains around all this ancient rubble, but one very key date that I know is 323 B.C., the date mm -hmm. that Alexander died, right? Mm -hmm. And that, it sort of divides classical Greece and the, the Golden Age and, you know, uh, the Acropolis and all of that, and that was the balanced period with Hellenism, the period after that, which is after Greece had been conquered by the Macedonians, but sort of spread by their conquerors, and, and Greek becomes what you were talking about, Colin, the sort of common denominator of the whole Absolutely. Mediterranean world. I mean, I think Alexander the Great took the culture that had developed in that golden age in the 5th century before Christ and spread that around the eastern Mediterranean. And the result was that Greece as a geographical entity, or the towns of Athens and Sparta, lost their importance, and other centers took over, places like Antioch, Alexandria, Pergamon. These towns were of greater weight, now, when we're traveling around the eastern Mediterranean, especially in the Greek world, it seems to me whenever there's a beautiful site, an ancient site, there would also be an associated museum where the beautiful um, artifacts of that civilization yes. are, are kept. Anastasia, your, your homeland is Greece. Which one of these museums, name a couple of museums where we can really get an appreciation of the elegance of life uh, in ancient Greece. 
Well, there are a lot of them, because now the new tendency is exactly that. We don't want the visitor to go into a museum and be looking at artifacts without really knowing what it is, or just chronologically, we want them to understand exactly how they were used in ancient everyday life and what exactly they meant for those people. How was this everyday life? Like, for example, there is uh, in Athens one museum that has uh, a whole flank dedicated to everyday life that is the Gulandris Museum or of Cycladic Art. It is one of the best in Athens. Of so course, the Museum of Cycladic Art yes. in Athens. Beautiful has, opportunity to see the Cycladic civilization in an air-conditioned, modern environment. <laughs> and uh, I understand this passion now for Greece to let us better understand the rubble before we go there. And this is mm-hmm. new because uh, a generation ago, the museums were pretty old school, and today they do a much better job. Or also the museum in the site of the ancient Agora. It's very well made, it's new, it's renovated, and it's focused on everyday life of classical Athens, mainly classical Athens, and tries to show all different aspects of everyday life, having to do with the simple things that you do at home and also with the simple things you do outside, like going for um, to buy some things or to buy with grocery of the time, but also politics, really. How did this city, which was a state, function? Both of you have traveled far and wide in the Mediterranean area. If there's one place you could take me that gives me a sense of the, the majesty of an ancient civilization, what would it be? Anastasia? There are lots of places, but it also depends on the history of the place because many times uh, there have been such destructions, you don't really see anything anymore. But there are some sites that I think are still overwhelming, like, for example, Palmyra in Syria or Ephesus, then the size of it, just that theater, 25,000 seats. That's really overwhelming. There's definitely a lot more. But these are sites where, as a human, I think, you can feel really small confronting the achievements of humans themselves. From 2,000, 2,500 years ago. 2,300, 2,200, 2,500 years ago. I know that feeling, standing in the theater in Ephesus. Colin, where would you take me to, to gain an appreciation of an ancient civilization? I would take you to Petra in Jordan. This was the, the main city of the Nabataean civilization. The Nabataeans were essentially they were Semitic people related to modern Arabs who were traders bringing goods up from the Indian Ocean through the Arabian Peninsula and into the Middle East, and then they would go on further. And they built this absolutely remarkable city where they carved Greek-style architecture, which would normally be drum of column upon drum of column with pediments and, and, and all the rest of it. They carved it out of the actual rock of the desert, best known perhaps for having featured in the Indiana Jones movie with Sean Connery. Okay, so that dreamy sort of carved out of the mountain, these sophisticated temples and so on. Absolutely beautiful Greek-style temples which are carved out of the living rock. Petra, P-E-T-R-A. P-E-T-R-A in the south of, of Jordan. And you see how Arab peoples who had taken on the trappings of, we were talking about the Hellenistic world, now there's a shared language and shared architectural styles. They are building in a style that was developed in Greece some 200 years before them. And they're building it in their own way out of the rock itself. And it's a magical place. Well, we've just scratched the surface and and like the terrain of the eastern Mediterranean itself, if we dig deeper, we'll learn more. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking about antiquities in the eastern Mediterranean. Our guests have been Anastasia Gaitanou from Greece and Colm Clement, a Scotsman who lives in Egypt with the French archaeological dig in Alexandria. Colm Clement, Anastasia Gaitanu, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. 
as classic Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Along those same lines, Europe 101 History and Art for the Traveller is a must-read for anyone who appreciates Europe's rich history and great art. To learn more about Rick's books, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.